Welcome back, viewers of all ages, to part two of the Vigilant Geek Podcast, episode 13, DC Comics Update. I'm your host, Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media, and with me as always is my partner in crime, Holden Orm. Holden Orm of Vigilant Geek Media. So we left off uh, talking to you guys a little bit about Aquaman. Uh, we're, we're sort of mentioning uh, all the big Justice Leaguers here. Uh, and next up, we have The Flash. All right. Who's a very important Justice Leaguer to discuss and what's going on in his book right now. The Flash is, is getting to... I think he very well might be my favorite DC character. It's my second favorite after uh, the Dark Knight. His his every arc he's in, it's he's never in a bad arc. They're always consistent. It doesn't matter who's writing the character. It's always uh, has a lot to do with the character. It's always vital. It never very many filler arcs. It's it's like it it almost always matters with him. Um, uh, it's always a great story. Always great artwork. Um, and lately in The Flash, uh, it's also been getting a big push by the TV show, which, I don't know why, why wouldn't it? It's a great TV show. Oh, the TV show, I am such a fan. Uh, I cannot wait for, uh, them to start season two next week, I think. I think it's next week. Yeah, it's next week, the 6th, I think it starts. Anywho, uh, but the book is, if not just as, as, as fascinating, probably more fascinating even, even than even the show. Fascinating. Um, lots of crazy stuff. You got Professor Zoom coming to town again. And, That's uh, right. This time he's not coming alone. He has prepped and prepared. He's gone back and forth, up and down the time stream so many times that, you know, he has created the ultimate, in a way, sort of like the ultimate endgame for Barry Allen. Uh, he's basically gone around to... You know, different points in time and collecting these other speedsters or other, uh. Speed Force, uh, metahumans who've been granted powers through the Speed Force. Correct, yes. Um, yeah, it's been great. Um, I mean, this all kind of stems coming out of this arc where Barry Allen had been pushed into this area of the Speed Force by a future version of himself. Because the future version of himself was going to face off against this other equally terrible villain, and it, it things really came to a head, and the the future Barry Allen sacrifices himself, but it still harms Barry's relationship with Patty Spivet, and she's kind of disappeared. She doesn't want anything to do with him. Meanwhile, Barry is. Spending a lot of time with Iris West and and her nephew Wally, who's this kind of lost youth, and Barry kind of has a soft spot for him because he didn't have any parents growing up because his father was accused and 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 tried in a court of law and found to be guilty for killing his mother, even though that wasn't exactly the case. And in this arc, you find out why. So in this arc, as you said. Professor Zoom, as for some reason, has this en- enormous vendetta against uh, the Flash. He he's gone up and down the time stream, as you said, collected a variety of different uh, highly powered Speed Force individuals. Uh, the Folding Man, who can kind of develop, develop teleport anywhere. 
this one woman who can freeze, make matter go so slow that it becomes invincible almost. Uh, this one kid who can create tornadoes. Uh, he grabs this guy Selkirk who knows everything about the Speed Force. And, then, and he's in Selkirk's also a two-faced son of a bitch. If you read the last arc, right? But uh, I digress. Continue. Total scumbag. Yeah. Anyway, so he's gathered up all these highly powered individuals, and he's told them that the Flash is this like the like the biggest villain reality's ever faced, and they have to find a way to defeat him. So he recruits all of them through manipulating things in their time. They each had their own thing going on. But he makes something terrible happen to them, and then he gives them something to fight back against. So they all have these speed force abilities. He's got all these people. He's got them brainwashed. Got them all thinking that Barry Allen is just like, like as the Flash is just like the worst villain imaginable. And his whole plan is to make it look as if Barry Allen the Flash goes from hero to villain. So everyone hates him. And then his plan is to defeat him. And then when everyone hates him and everyone will just go ahead and forget about the Flash till the end of time. He'll become a footnote in history. And right now, things are coming to a head. He, the reverse Flash has gotten this team together and everything. But meanwhile, we find this other things are going on within the storyline because Henry Allen, Barry's father, it turns out he definitely didn't kill his wife. It was Professor Zoom who killed his wife because he didn't do what, what Professor Zoom wanted. And he knows exactly who Professor Zoom is. And for some reason, there was something that Professor Zoom wanted him to do, and he didn't do it. And those were repercussions. He ended up getting framed for the murder. And he knows it. Harry knows it. But the only reason he took the fall for the crime is because he didn't want Zoom to come back and come after Barry. Which I believe he's got this vendetta against Barry for one reason or another, but we don't really know exactly what it is either. So, so right now we got things coming to a head on the very last issue of The Flash. Um, Reverse Flash had Selkirk create a device that was powered on Barry's specific speed force energy. And what it does is they created this force field around him and he's trying to destroy this device. But the more he uses, the faster he runs, the more speed force energy he uses. And it's being sucked up by this device and it's shooting off these lightning bolts and it's, and it's right outside the central city police department. And so the police department's getting hit with these energy bolts and one of the energy bolts goes through, uh, the mechanic but then also hits Wally West. So and we're and then it kind of just leaves you at a cliffhanger there, and I I believe that this this is where Wally West ends up getting his speed force powers and become and I think he's going to be the heir apparent as the next Flash. Um, Barry's had a very good run. I'd hate to see him go, but with the way the storyline goes now, I can see the book kind of taking a different direction. But I almost have faith because Robert Vendetti and every other person who's written the Flash has done such an amazing job. Oh, absolutely! It, it it certainly it it looks like that's where things could definitely be headed, uh, and you know, there's certainly a generation out there that you know would love to see Wally West uh, uh, step up to the plate because uh, they you know had they had their Wally West Flash uh, growing up. Uh, I'm personally a Barry Allen guy. 
but uh, it would be, uh, you know, it would be a very uh, smooth way of transitioning, uh, you know, that changing of the guard there, because, you know, you have this, you know, amazingly intricate uh, plot to destroy Barry Allen, and uh, if there were to be, you know, a, a demise of Barry Allen, uh, you know, post-crisis, you know, because we all know he took a dive in crisis, but, uh, you know, this would be a perfect perfect place to, to do that. Uh, and, you know, maybe they're looking to, you know, have Wally West be the Flash for the next upcoming few years to try to diversify their characters a little more, uh... Most of the big labels are looking to do that nowadays. You know, you look at Sam Wilson as Captain America. You look at Jane Foster as Thor. You know, over at Marvel, uh, you know, I could see them putting, uh, you know, a, a different Justice League lineup in the fairly close future with, uh, you know, Wally West to Jon Stewart. You know, uh, it remains, remains to be seen, but it's cool to think about. Definitely. So, um, the other part of the continuity that we haven't discussed is what's going on with Henry Allen, uh, and, and all of his escapades breaking out of prison. So clearly, uh, Henry Allen knows a bit more about Zoom than Barry Allen does. Uh, which is kind of cool because for the first time, you know, as far as I can remember in, in continuity, uh, we get a little bit more information about why Zoom uh, would kill Nora Allen in the first place. You know, it's sort of like, you know, even in the TV show, uh, they haven't really gone over it. So it's sort of like, oh, this horrible man, Eobard Thawne, kills Nora Allen. Well, why the hell does he do that? Why is he messing with Barry Allen so much? Well, here's a little bit, you know, of, of motive. And, and there's going to be more of that uncovered uh as this arc unfolds and and this you know i really feel like right now this arc that vendetti is telling is is really like just going to be a monumental flash arc it's it, it it's really looking like like flash's endgame really it really is so uh it's going to be really cool to uh see what happens uh as the arc wraps up so, um, moving on from that, we have Green Lantern. Mm. Last Justice Leaguer to discuss here. Right. Uh, in recent books, uh, things have been kind of getting worse and worse with the Green Lantern Corps. So, Hal Jordan goes ahead and he decides to make a, a judgment call as the leader of the Green Lantern Corps and fall on his sword. And what he does is he goes and he steals the most powerful weapon in the vault at the Green Lantern Corps, which is Krona's Gauntlet. It has its own power battery. It's like, uh, and it can also has the same power as the Green Lantern rings, only far surpassing the Green Lantern rings. Because I don't think like the battery itself is just like infinitely charged or something. It just never runs out of juice. So it's, he goes. Yeah, he, it's, he, it's such a badass weapon. And he breaks out and he he makes it so that he's this like, oh well, it was because Hal Jordan was unstable. So then that way maybe the universe would give the Green Lantern Corps some slack and be like, well, it was all Jordan's fault. So he goes renegade and he he's out in the universe and he's got this ship that has a really smart AI and 
He's a really, a really jobs. smart ass AI. Come to think of it, yeah, it's, it's a, always messing with him. It's a big jerk. Always, always uh, pointing out Hal's Hal's little failures as he goes along. It's kind of a real smart aleck AI that he banter's back and forth with, which is adds a little bit of humor to an otherwise uh, darker, grittier Green Lantern story. Yeah. Um, but the the main uh, highlight of the story is very early within the first couple of issues, you realize that like something has happened to the Green Lantern Corps themselves. They have just been wiped from existence. They somebody destroyed them, or they disappeared, or something. And Hal is trying to figure out what exactly happened, um, because he still has loyalty to the core. He just decided to go renegade for the for the core itself. So now you get this interesting story where he's trying to figure out what happened to everybody, and uh, they're they're leaving some hints that it might have something to do with uh, the what's his name, the the Black Hand. Is that Black Hand? Oh yeah, Black Hand. Uh, yeah. Um, what's he up to right now? I guess he's got this real bad issue. He can't reanimate the dead, which is usually oh yeah, his gig. he's at the Source Wall, right? Yeah. Well, no, he goes somewhere else, but he's like his uh, his touch is turning everything into stone, like the Source right. Wall does. That's right. Uh, Black Hand has sort of developed. Uh, the qualities that the source wall has where, you know, he touches something, it turns sort of to stone. Um, and it hasn't been explained yet, but, uh, uh, it's certainly a different, you know, a new fresh take on, 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 uh, that villain who's one of my favorite, uh, him and Sinestro are my two favorite Green Lantern villains. Yeah, definitely. It's a toss up. Yeah. Cause I, I, I have, I, I, I have to say, that my favorite Green Lantern story arcs in history have all pretty much had both Black Hand and Sinestro in them. Um, so, yeah. And Larflees, too. Larflees, I always get a kick out of Larflees. Well, there's but. a lot of good Green Lantern villains. Sinestro is kind of weird in the fact that he's not necessarily... Like, he's... Uh, most of the time, he is a villain, but, like, his oh. motivations are almost misunderstood... Because, like, he always has the best intentions, but, like, the way that he goes about achieving his goals is kind of, I don't know, shady. And, like, he, he and it all leads, because he's probably one of the most uh, arrogant characters in the DCU up there right with uh, with Lex Luthor. Oh, easily, and the Riddler. Like, those three are probably the worst. The big, three biggest egomaniacs. Yeah. <laughs> Although Lex and, and uh, Sinestro kind of more deserve it, whereas the Riddler, for the most part, he, he, he's a hack. Yeah, I mean, he, he, <laughs> he'll give you fits for a little while, but, like, he always ends up, like, like asking the one question, which, like, the answer to it is like, oh, that's how you defeat the Riddler. Yeah, because once again, he's got that quirk where where he he has to make sure everyone knows how smart he is. Right, yeah. and then that's also the the one clue to like, oh, never mind. I I, I I've solved this now. Now I'm going to go beat your face in with your stupid <laughs> hat and your dumb cane. <laughs> and that's pretty much what he does in Zero Year. He just like you know humiliates him, beats the shit out of him, and that's right. It. He like answers one of his questions, and then he's like. Oh, you're not stepping on the tiles. Now someone's going to die. And then he's just like, oh, I'm just going to break your face. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how that works. But, um, yeah, getting back to Green Lantern, uh, you know, uh, the interesting thing is to, is, it, it, 
is, you know, when you talk about the core, um, is, is, is readers really don't know what's going to go on with that. Now, Green Lantern Lost Army is part of the scheduled cancellations. It's due uh, to have, I guess they're, they're talking about it like it was always supposed to be six issues. And then, to which they're, if it's, once it's gone, there'll be only one Green Lantern book. So I imagine that they're going to bring Green Lantern Corps back. I can't imagine them. They gotta have at least two Green Lantern books. You gotta, you gotta talk about the core. You can't just make them disappear and just say, oh, forget about them. They're too big. It's too big of a portion of the DCU to just erase. There's always going to be light wielders out there in the universe. The lightsmiths. The lightsmiths, exactly. Mm. So, um, my, yeah, my, my thoughts exactly on that. I, I, I feel that, uh, they'll do their six book run. We'll we'll get to the bottom of where they went, where John Stewart and friends went. Uh, clearly, they're in an alternate dimension of some sort. Uh, we and we've we've discussed this arc before, um, but I'm you know once that arc concludes, I can't imagine them not bringing back the Green Lantern Corps book. It's too huge. It's 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 a staple, really. Uh, if you're a DC reader, so. Uh, Oh well, uh, when we get more info on that, uh, we'll certainly bring bring that to uh, the studio to make sure you guys get that information as well. So, um, moving on to a different segment of uh, this week's cast, uh, we're gonna start talking uh, a little bit about the DC Vixens now. The uh, these uh, sassy females uh, in the DCU that. Uh, have made their own stamp on comic book history over the past uh, six months or so. All right. Um, well, I'll lead off with uh, one that everyone might not be so familiar with, with uh, Black Canary. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Black Canary spins out of the pages of the more recent Batgirl arcs from the Batgirl Burnside, uh, written by, was it Cam yeah, Brennan Fletcher and Cameron Stewart, uh, obviously art by Babs Tarr. Uh, and then, uh, Fletcher also writes, uh, Black Canary with, uh, Annie Wu doing the art on that one. No, so. thank you. Cause I, I didn't remember who did what. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's tough to remember all the creative teams, but that one just stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, lucky for me, uh, I did remember the plot. So that's the important part anyway. <laughs> so Black Canary, she's in a band called Black Canary right now and they're touring and they're always getting attacked by these weird shadow creatures and she ends up kicking their ass every time. And things have gotten kind of weird. Things have picked up a little bit. Um uh, recently in the most recent issue, um the former lead singer has kidnapped the young girl guitarist of Black Canary who doesn't speak. And we don't know what this girl's secret is. She's always getting attacked by shadow creatures. Well, it turns out Amanda Waller has the former lead singer. She makes a deal with her to bring the the girl back because I guess she was part of some program or whatever, doing some shady... You know, and I figured it was going to be something like this, but I I won't interrupt. Continue. So what happens, they make the deal, and uh, this former lead singer, she's got a very high opinion of herself. She seems quite silly. Well, turns out they go, then there's this white uh, woman dressed in white ninja garb. She kicks all the operator's asses, escapes, and Amanda Waller's still standing there like, 
whatever. So they still make a deal with the former lead singer. And what the, she wanted was they go and they hook her up to a chair and they, they, they pump her full of this stuff. And I guess what she did was she saw that, that, uh, the Black Canary had these, this, these voice powers and she's, she wanted them too. So they go and they pump her full of this stuff and give her the voice powers, which I think that's how Black Canary got them in the first place. Cause she's one of the first, uh, man-made metahumans. Yeah, because she was right. also used to be Black Ops because she was part of this team called Team Seven, which included Amanda Waller, Deathstroke, um, Cole Cash or Grifter, and uh, a couple other. Which I don't really, I don't think they really have much of a role in the DCU right now. That's a zesty team, though. Zest- it was. It was a nice little. <laughs> I, I remember when that arc came out. It, they had about like seven books, and it pretty much. All it was was a vehicle to show the skull that ended up being part of Trinity War, which is an equally forgettable uh, story arc that DC did with the New I, 52 when first things first yeah, started out. I actually really liked the Trinity War, but I think that was during the period where you were like starting to just get me into DC. And like now that I've seen some of the uh, like you know a lot most most of what's been out there for the past you know five to ten years. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely way cooler arcs out there, but uh, I did, I did actually did enjoy Trinity War and how it led into Forever Evil. I think it was what, what was the big, like, you know, letdown for me was how Forever Evil kind of fizzled out. Oh my God. Um, Forever Evil started so strong. You got the crime syndicate showing up. Ultraman pushes the moon in front of the sun because he's allergic to sunlight. Snorting kryptonite. He's, he's smashing kryptonite and then huffing it, using yeah. his super strength to just snort it like right off the table, not even putting his head down. Yo, and dude, I'm just going to snort a line of kryptonite they, off your high school diploma, kid. No big deal, right? <laughs> and, then <laughs> <Sorry>. they, <laughs> and then they go ahead and then, and then they kidnap Dick Grayson and unmask him and unmask him as Nightwing in front of everybody in the world. So so there, there's going to be, like, no more Nightwing, which ended up spinning off into the Grayson book, which I guess he's now kind of a spy or whatever, but I just, I don't know. I don't it, really... it apparently really caught on with people, but I, I A just... lot of people love it. Dick Grayson's a great character. A lot of people love him, just not reading the book. They just had a, uh, they had him in, in Midnighter, uh, not to get off topic, we'll talk Midnighter as well when we get to the fringe, but, uh, they had him working with Midnighter, uh, issue, in issue three. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um. No, it was a really, really good. Yeah, Grayson though, I, I don't know, I just, uh. I, I like Nightwing as a character, and I guess uh, I just wasn't receptive to to Grayson. But I've heard I've heard it caught a lot of steam, so I don't know. I just I guess it's a natural next step for him to do the spy thing. It's just yeah. I mean, I'm sure I just kind of like wanted him to go in a different direction. I mean, I was never a fan of him becoming the next Batman either, or never really. I mean, eh, I don't know. I, 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 I think he's a good character, and he needs to be in a book to be sure. But it's just I don't know. He needs he needs his own book, and and, and I, I think we'll see Nightwing again. I I think it'd be kind of impossible not to see him again. But uh, I don't know. I kind of liked when he was in Chicago, kind of doing his own thing. That was cool. There, there were some cool stories with the prankster, and and I like I liked it. But uh, you know, uh, trying different stuff, uh, revamping all their characters, and. Uh, you know, you're not going to like everything. Uh, everyone has their own preferences, so. So, yeah. 
So I guess back where we were, Black Canary is really cool, and then there was that uh, that that cliffhanger where they end up giving the uh, the ex lead singer the uh, same powers as uh, Black Canary. And that's where we've left off, from what I pretty much understand. Yeah. So I mean, other than that, I mean, the story has been kind of moving along quite nicely. Um, you get, uh, I mean, it's just been good, good art, good story, semi lighthearted. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess right along the same lines as that, just a fun book with great art. Uh, you have Batgirl. Oh, uh, well, Batgirl's been uh, absolutely an absolutely unstoppable title since. Ever since they started with the Batgirl of Burnside, I mean, they, even before that with Gail Simone too, uh, it was just it was phenomenal. But uh, you know, they they obviously took her in a more playful direction, and it's working really well in that respect too. I, I think that's like one of my top five favorites at DC still. Um, the Babs Tars artwork is absolutely fantastic. The storylines aren't too dark. Because it's nice to see a bat book where it isn't all doom and gloom all the time. Right. Um, I mean, bright artwork, great storytelling. They're really, they're, I mean, they're painting this great picture of this, this borough of Gotham called Burnside, where it's kind of like, uh, I guess it would mirror Brooklyn in New York right now. Yeah, I think that's what they're going for. And, uh, I mean, and it's, and it's just been fun. I mean, they just finished this arc where, they find out that this old tech company owner has been dressing herself up as a tiger and found a way to kidnap tigers and have it kill people who used to work for her company and and unleashing tigers on them. And then these tigers are doing her dirty work by killing these uh, freelancers. Well, why do it yourself when you can have the tigers do it? Come, my pretty kitties. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... It's just been all really, really good, and then uh, I guess things are kind of ramping up again for another big storyline. They had one with the crossover with uh, the Jim Gordon Batman, which was really good, and then just finished up this one with uh, the the Tiger Lady, and then I, next thing now is is that is that supposed to be uh, that's like Tiger or something? I forget if Tigra or I don't know, like. I'm I'm having a really hard time remembering characters' names right now. Well, it's all right. I mean, it's kind of confusing because you have Cheetah, who's like a you know Cheetah, a, yeah. a, 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 a main staple villain, especially for Wonder Woman, and then uh, you have Tigra or Tiger Lady and Vixen. You have all these like in Catwoman. It's like all these different cat-themed female characters. It gets very confusing. Yeah. So. Well, this is one of the newer ones. Um, it was good. I just, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for the next story to come up. It's been, it's been, the, I think the best part is the, the story arc. It's, there's, there's been a one continuing ongoing story arc kind of for all of them. So, like, the characters are being built on every time they do it. But it's been almost episodic. Like, you'll have, uh, one one book and you meet the villain and defeat the villain in one or or sometimes they'll do it where multiple where they'll meet they'll set it up to have a showdown with a villain and have that be the main thing going on with two books but like it doesn't take very long to go ahead and and build up your plot get to a climax and then set up the next arc which has been that's probably one of the funner parts of the book honestly is that it doesn't drag and build up for three issues. Usually you get some closure within two to three. Yeah. Well, one to two, actually. No, it's, it's, it's been a happening book. Uh, there's always something going on. Uh, so then we, uh, we come to, to Harley Quinn, 
that's Amanda Connor's big book right now with uh, her husband, Jimmy Pamiati. Um, and uh, she's still running amok around New York City with her gang of Harleys. Uh, I mentioned before uh, in, in the last update, you know, that she had uh, tryouts for uh, people if they want to be part of the Harley Quinn gang and dress up like her. And she, she uh, wants to become a vigilante and use this new gang she's formed to go out and, and fight crime. Uh, but she has a very tenuous grasp on uh, what being a vigilante uh, actually means. So it leads to some very humorous situations where, you know, they're tracking down uh, a sea captain uh, who ate some radioactive seaweed. I mean, you know, it's really? a... Really? Well, it's a stretch. you got to remember... You gotta it, re- Remember that this isn't a book to really take seriously. No, it's well, it's certainly more lighthearted than the version of Harley Quinn we're used to seeing in the Suicide Squad, where in one of the more recent issues, she butchered a man to death with a samurai sword in front of a bunch of kids. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the kids were horrified. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, she was all making them laugh at fart jokes before, and the next thing you know, she can gets the guy to come in and somehow manages to, like... Knock him down, steal his sword, and then hacked him to bits. And then she's <laughs> laughing the whole time she's doing it, and then she's all covered in blood, and the kids are looking at her horrified, and he's like, what? Yeah, she's like, what, <laughs> what, what, you don't think this is funny? You don't think this is funny? Like, I, what, this is hilarious. I just, like, cut this guy up to a bunch of million pieces, and look, look, it's still squirting blood. It's hilarious. Well, why aren't you laughing? It's like, you don't get the, you don't get the joke, huh? Yeah. Yeah, so she, you know, uh, they clearly show her more like fucked upside, uh, pardon my French there, and Suicide Squad, because they can. I think uh, the Harley title is sort of geared towards a younger fan base, and uh, once again, one of those books to try to get uh, high school girls to read more comics and things like that. But, it, I mean, it's very good. Uh, I always get a few chuckles out of it, and if I can get a couple of cheap laughs out of out of a comic book you know if that's the type of book you know like a howard the duck kind of comedy book like that that, that, then you know i feel that my four to five dollars that i now spend on on each issue is is somewhat worth it you know dc's still like 2.99 for most books right well i i don't know you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) In general, it's Marvel. They're the ones charging it, $3.99 for everything. No, um... Disney doesn't have enough money, apparently. Ugh. Yeah, you know, uh, not to get on another tangent, but uh, now that you just brought that up, uh, I guess uh, Disney just released some new statement saying that they're going to crack down on uh, the art, uh, like, like the... the uh, Independent prints that are being made of Marvel characters at, at, at comic book conventions and copyrights and, and yeah, it's like you guys aren't making enough money. So if somebody gets commissioned on like, uh, I don't know, a, a Spider Gwen, somebody gets commissioned on a Spider Gwen, Disney's gonna go after them with lawyers? Well, I don't, I, I think it's more like, you know, the people selling like, you know, selling prints and, 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 and paintings and things like that. Uh, I think if you approach like a, an artist, uh, that's on payroll with them, that's a different story. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I found it a little bit, you know, 
unnerving or uh maybe that's not the best word choice but i i just found it to be like you know uh kind of asinine for them to to, to just you know take away you know you get some of these amazing artists that that you know sell these awesome prints i mean i got I always pick one up every year, you know, and you're going to try to like, you know, squeeze money out of, uh, you know, for copyrights for that. It's like, come on. Yeah. You know, but, um, what are you going to do? Although I do like what they've been doing with the Star Wars books. That's completely off topic, but I really love what Marvel's been doing with the Star Wars books. Oh yeah, well the, that line of books uh, has been absolutely fantastic. And uh, when we do our Marvel update next time around, uh, make sure we include a Star Wars segment. Uh, we don't want to forget that. But uh, back to Harley Quinn. Um, you know, uh, it's it's basically just as we said, it's a, a lighthearted, uh, you know, slapstick kind of uh, story. Uh, now, Poison Ivy has been showing up, uh, in the Harley book, uh, here and there, and it's been announced that, uh, DC's gonna put out, uh, a title book for her, uh, which, Really? Yeah. Well, people have been asking for that for months. Yeah, well, asking you shall receive with DC, apparently, cause, uh... They're doing it. I think uh, Amanda Connor and uh, Jimmy Palmiotti are going to be doing that book, too. This is going to be... Oh, yeah, I remember a little while ago they mentioned that they're doing several titles and different characters that they don't write about all the time. They're going to give them their own miniseries. Yeah, well, Poison Ivy's one of them, and uh, I'll read it. Uh, I'm a fan of the character. I love the Gotham City women. I don't know. There's something about they're, they're all they all have so much character and uh, yeah yeah what do you, you call them the the Gotham City Sirens yeah oh well, they they uh, had a title out for some time uh, called Gotham City Sirens so um, I guess it's also por- important to uh, mention uh, when talking about Amanda Connor uh, and Jimmy Pomiati that uh, they're also working. Uh, on a Starfire book that's been out for a while, I, I I haven't been reading it, but the artwork you know is on par with uh, everything else that they do as a creative team, uh, and uh, they also uh, they put out Power Girl uh, for a while. I don't think that's still out. I think that was a miniseries. They had this one that was uh, a Harley Quinn Power Girl kind of miniseries. They were like traveling cost crunchy or something. Well. Yeah, I read that. Um, there's a little bit more to it than that, but uh, no, they had a, they had a Power Girl series, like a legit one. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's being written anymore. Um, so I guess uh, the last DC vixen to to talk about would probably be like the you know most infamous one uh, in Catwoman. Now Catwoman's been. Uh, a pretty exciting read. Uh, she just sort of wrapped up a big, uh, big gang war with Black Mask, the Falcones, the Penguin. Uh, you know, and the whole time uh, that she's dealing with that, um, she's also sort of uh, they're 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 paying a lot of attention to. Uh, Selena Kyle's bisexuality and uh, the relationship she has with the daughter of the Asian gang in Gotham, 
daughter, sorry, the daughter of uh, the boss of the Asian gang in Gotham. Uh, the name escapes me at the moment. Um, but, you know, all together, uh, Genevieve Valentine has done an excellent job writing it. Um, you know, different side characters such as Spoiler and Killer Croc have been showing up. Uh, of course, you know, just like every other Gotham City book, uh, the new Robo-Batman uh, has made his appearance in Catwoman as well. Um, he wasn't able to, to do anything uh, to stop Selina, of course. He, he, he needs a little bit more uh, experience in that department before he can catch, catch uh, the quick cat. You know, she's, she's too wiry and quick. But, uh, yeah, they're going to reboot Catwoman soon, or if not reboot it, uh, they're going to uh, change up the creative team is more or less what I meant. Uh, so, you know, be ready for Catwoman to start going in a different direction than, you know, like the crime drama that has been going on for the past year uh, with all the different... Uh, you know, gangs and, and, and the mob and all that jazz. Um, but yeah, all together, uh, some, uh, very exciting titles. Probably, um, in my personal opinion, uh, the DC Vixens are the best female led, uh, titles, uh, that, that, that you can read. Marvel doesn't really seem to have uh, although they, they certainly have a, a more diversified roster of, uh, characters in title books right now. Uh, or, or they will when Secret Wars ends and, and they release their, uh, you know, their new line. But I, I just feel like, you know, uh, strictly personal opinion here that, that the, the DC, uh, the women of DC are just more exciting to read about. So, good stuff. Now, um, Holden, this brings us to uh, the last segment of our show this week, uh, where we will discuss the DC Fringe. All right. Everyone knows that Andrew's a big Fringe guy, whether it's pop culture and other things, but most especially comic books. Andrew likes reading about the characters that uh, don't really exist in the, the big going-ons. They are on the, the edges they're doing, they're doing their own thing. They're walking to the beat of their own drum and they're not, you know, listening to anyone else. That's right. And we have any, DC has a very large fringe lineup. Um, just right now, uh, not necessarily a fringe character. A lot of people have been asking for this character to have his own book for a very long time and they finally, finally just decided to release it. And then Cyborg finally has his own title. And it's been excellent. Oh, it's it's been an awesome read. Uh, David F. Walker writes it, and uh, industry titan Ivan Rice uh, does the art. You know, he's done a lot of work on Green Lantern and big other big DC titles in the past, and he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, sequential artist. I believe he did uh, Jeff Johns' run on Aquaman as well. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was really, really good stuff. Yeah, so the uh, the storyline for Cyborg is as he, uh, I guess he ended up in a confrontation with some aliens in another dimension because he's got the mother box technology wired into his hardware. And he goes, and I guess he was killed, and he comes back, and I guess there's something about the technology in him that revived him. And not only did it revive him, it 
it revived him to a point that parts of him that were machine are now this like bio organic. So it looks like it's normal skin and it feels normal to him, but it also has the ability to just transform at will into this, these crazy machine parts with like crazy like mega space guns and stuff. So this is kind of a big deal for him because uh, one of the big parts of his character is his his walking the fine line between man and machine, and he still has emotions, but he doesn't feel like he's human anymore, and he's having a hard time kind of fitting in, kind of very much a teeny angst kind of thing. And, um, and his dad, his dad is like not helping him feel more human at all. All his dad, his dad looks at him, you know, first of all, his dad, uh, uh, Dr. Stone is, he's like, you know, one of the top scientists at Star Labs. Uh, but he looks, he looks at, uh, Victor, Victor Stone, Cyborg, uh, he looks at him more of an experiment, you know, a crazy science experiment than his own son. So he's not really helping too much and, uh, helping Victor feel more like a human being than a machine. So, and this, and this has repercussions. Um, so now I guess there's another alien race. They're con- trying to come and find him to get that software for them. Well, not that software, that hardware for themselves so they can use it for their own means and then, I don't know, probably try to take over the universe because it's, it's all people ever care about anymore is taking over the universe. Or destroying the universe so that another universe can thrive or God, God knows what. Or or hiding out in our universe because their universe got destroyed. It's always something like that. I know. Nobody wants to just sit down, drink soda pop, and read comic books anymore. It's depressing. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, things would certainly be more peaceful. Ugh. But so, that, all in all, that's the main uh, storyline in Cyborg. It's really, really good. Um... Uh, next, a little, little more different flavor. We have Secret Six. Uh, it's being written by Gail Simone. Uh, any number of artists have already worked on this title, and we've at first they're kidnapped by this highly connected uh, organization. And as you come around to learn, it was actually the Riddler, and he was going to torture all of them to find out who stole this giant diamond that he had. So there's all this, and they've been kind of meshing over the past couple issues, and they've been living in uh, in Big Shot's house, and they're pretty much like D-list Batman villains. You got yeah. uh, Catman, Black Alice. Uh, ventriloquist. The, the, the new ventriloquist. With Ferdy. Ferdy, the little, uh, little doll. The yeah, little yeah, puppet. he's got the little, uh, the, 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 uh, the drills in his hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then you got... Uh, Strix, and the, I forget her name, it's, what's well, actually, uh... Oh, Porcelain. Porcelain? Yeah, the one that's, like, transgender. Makes everything or... brittle, yes. Yeah. So, anyway, they're all together, and then they all get in this fight at the end, and you find out who it is, and it turns out Big Shot's wife got brainwashed, or never loved him to begin with, and they take off, and it turns out that... Ferdy the little doll stole the g- the gem, but nobody else knew, not even the ventriloquist herself. <laughs> and it, it showed this hilarious uh, scene where the the little doll, everyone's so caught up in fighting with each other because they're trying to get the, the dead man switch away from Big Shot's wife. And Big Shot's like, even though she said she didn't love him anymore, she's still like defending her. 
And meanwhile, the little doll is like, like talking mad smack to the Riddler. And then like, is like <laughs> drilling holes in his feet and in his legs. And he's bleeding and he's like, ah, what are you doing, you terrible little doll? And then, and Freddy's like, see this? I got your India star right here. Cause that was the name of the giant diamond. It's right. like, the ventriloquist didn't even know I snatched it. <laughs> it's like, I don't think you're going to give us any trouble anymore. And then the wife ends up escaping on a boat and blows everything up. And uh, the, I guess the Riddler escapes because the Riddler's too big of a deal to this. But I guess they're moving on to the, whatever the next issue is. Uh, the He loses the diamond. The little doll loses the diamond. And then everyone else is kind of... Then us, and they're kind of like it set them up like they're this this mi- these misfit villains, but they can do some pretty good damage on uh, most of the time. But like they're not a list by any means, and they're just trying to get by and be honest. Because the past couple books have just been them trying to like like lay low in uh, in big shots like suburban home yeah. <laughs> and, it's just, and they've been getting into brawls with people and like the yeah dudes from next door uh, the, the, yeah. the bro the f- like frat bro jocks porcelain ends up breaking one of their arms and uh, somehow she manages to touch their bone uh, or something because like whenever she touches something like it, it'll become brittle but only if it's like solid like not something because she ends up like touching Big Shot and Big Shot turned himself into this big buff dude and he's like yeah only if you touch this and then like slaps her down and then right yeah she and at the end he's like whatever I know you guys care hitting's how everyone in this family shows they care <laughs> yeah it's it's a very quirky different kind of story Gail Simone wrote yeah uh, it's like very uh, very talented the uh, kind of. Kind of like a DC's modern family. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually could, I couldn't really say it better than that. Uh, it's a very good usage of, uh, you know, some of those uh, lesser known characters, uh, and, and it works really well. And there's a lot of comedy, but you know, there's very suspenseful elements to it as well. You know, there certainly uh, was uh, a very large secret. Uh, behind the formation of the Secret Six, and it was it was written very well. Uh, you know, I, I I couldn't really predict anything up until it was uncovered. So yeah, Gail does, always does great stuff. Um, I haven't read the uh, her run on Batgirl, but I heard it was very very good. I did, yeah. It and was... I guess uh, she's finishing her run on Red Sonia that she's got going on right now, and I think she's doing a creator own book soon. Um, I don't know if she's going through Image or if she's doing it on. Um, Starting from scratch on Kickstarter, but uh, well, we'll keep, be on the lookout for that. Keep our ear to the ground. She's one of the most interesting people to follow on Twitter because she's always uh, trolling everybody and everything, and it's hilarious. So, good stuff. Uh, next, uh, we are Robin. Uh, I was very skeptical about this title at first, but I figured I'd give it a shot because. I don't know, I guess my pull list was kind of light that week or something. So I go and I picked up the back issues, and We Are Robin is very, very good. Uh, it's written by Lee Bermejo. Um The story starts off, you follow uh, a young Drake Thomas, um, the young black man who uh, Batman ended up having an involvement with at the end. Uh, that He met him originally in the Zero Year arc, and then goes on to know him even better when he ends up saving him from the uh, the new Joker gas in uh, in Endgame, 
Right. And right now, the from Endgame, he doesn't know where his parents are. He has no idea what's up. He's being passed around through the uh, the foster care system of the, of the state and within the city of Gotham. And uh, he ends up getting approached by this man. He ends up waking up this guy and... He recruits him, and then he ends up becoming part of this gang called the Robins. And everyone thinks that the the Batman is the one who set this up, but what? Uh, but whoever it is behind the scenes is getting a lot of young, promising youth who want to make a difference and turning them into. It's like this almost this enormous gang within the city. Only they're all Robins, and they're all connected via social network. And yeah, they all uh, they get updates from the nest. That's they don't right. know who's at the other end of the nest, but whoever's at you know controlling the robin's nest is the one directing them and giving them guidance as to where to go and what to do. And you know, uh, yeah, and as then, Holden uh, will uncover soon, we'll find out who uh, who's pulling the strings here. So re- more recently, we found out that. Uh, the, the 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 robins um, were in communication with the nest. They stopped a bunch of bombings. Uh, one of the robins, who was a jock, ends up getting killed in a bomb explosion. He was told to leave, but he wanted to stay to try to disarm the bomb, even though they didn't know what it was. The bomb goes off, and he dies. And uh, and uh, for the as a whole, the robins end up preventing uh, this invasion of these uh, these homeless people who live underneath Gotham City, and they end up rising up onto the streets to try to take over the city, and uh, the Robins prevent them from doing that. As you go along, you kind of find out what Alfred's been doing with his spare time. Alfred has been spending his spare time trying to muster the youth of Gotham in order to make a difference within the city. And it's a great idea. It it brings him back into the forefront of, of the DCU, he doesn't really have much of a place since Bruce Wayne isn't Batman right now. And and keep in mind, he, he's not really trusting uh, Bat Gordon uh, or Robo Bat, whichever nickname you want to use. He doesn't trust him. They have one uh, interaction that doesn't go well at all in regards to uh, you know the new Batman situation. And then you don't see Alfred again for a while, uh, as we know. Bruce was affected by the Dionysium. He is not Batman anymore as of right now. All that uh, trauma was kind of healed within his brain, and he finally decides to move on and live with his life. And, and even though all his money got lost during the Batman Eternal arc, and then he somehow found a way to continue things going on through Endgame. After Endgame, his brain was healed, and he doesn't remember ever becoming Batman. So now he spends his days. He uh, he volunteers or he works for this orphanage in, in Gotham. And uh, he's just he's he's making a difference, but he's doing it as a, just a regular human being without uh, all the emotional baggage that that he had before that turned him into Batman. Right. So the cool thing about this book is Alfred uh, is sort of uh, um, you know replacing not replace you can't replace the Batman, but uh, he, he's he's doing the best he can uh, as a contingency because there still needs to be. Eyes and ears on the street uh, now more than ever, and you know, with his lack of trust in uh, uh, Bat Gordon and 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 all that, it, it's it's perfectly understandable that Alfred would do this. Yeah, he just turns himself into a secret mentor. He, now he's got his own his own way to try to make a difference within the world. I mean, some, it's easy to forget that everyone just kind of 
forgets that how badass Alfred is. He's not just the butler. He was like a former actor, like and uh, special. Uh, he was a uh, uh, British special forces. Yeah. Special <laughs> so forces. like he's very highly decorated. On top of that, too, very very capable man. Uh, just when it comes to the psychos of Gotham City, he he ends up uh, end up uh, they're more than he can handle there. But uh, for as far as his regular man's concerned, he's more than enough to, in fact, mentor all these youth behind the scenes in order to uh, make a difference within the city. And this has been really exciting to follow uh, and to see uh, Drake. Drake, right? Yes. For some reason, I keep wanting to call him Duke. Is it? Maybe. I, I think it, I thought it was Duke. Is it Duke Thomas? It is Duke Thomas. It is Duke. We've Man, I've been like totally screwing up the names all no, day. No, it just dawned on me. I thought it was Drake too, but you know, uh. I think that might be somebody else. Is that another character? It has to be. Tim Drake, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. But e- either way. We're I- getting name overload. <laughs> yeah, there's only so much you can remember in the comic book world. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, Duke Thomas, it, it, it's, uh, Interesting to see how he sort of comes into his own, and he's still looking for his parents. Uh, he's still sort of on his own, but, you know, you sort of, like, gets empowered joining this group, uh, you know, and, and all the other Robins are kind of looking to him to be the leader. Well, some of them aren't so receptive at first. They're like, why do we need this guy? But um, the, the, they, they, they sought Duke out, and they had him join the Robins, and they want him to take a leadership role because... He had experience with the Batman. Yeah, he's, he's one of the few people who had actually met the Batman before the right. end game arc. So that puts him like a peg above everyone else, you know, you know, in the eyes of the group. So, uh, no, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's been, uh, interesting to see, uh, that transformation in Duke. And it, it's just been a really, uh, awesome story, uh, written by, uh, another industry titan, Lee Bermejo, who's normally, uh, takes an illustrative role on uh most graphic novel projects but uh is writing this one so right well no rolling right along uh they gave martian manhunter hunter his own book and boy has this been interesting it's been a real doozy it's one of my favorites um so it turns out that uh the martians aren't extinct at all they had programmed this uh, memory into John Jones's head that he was the f- last Martian. What he really is is a, a weaponized Martian that they created, and he's supposed to be the spearhead of the invasion force for Mars to invade Earth. So what the Martian Manhunter does is he f- he gets into this device and he thinks it's, and everyone's like thinks he's trying to commit suicide, but it doesn't. What it does is it splits his body into all these different um in in in. in into the, these like five, it multiplies them almost, and they uh, there's each one's like a person, and they think they're independent, but they're all John Jones. Yeah, they sort of spread his essence around the the globe so that uh, he's not in one place at one time. So, in other words, the Martians have to go looking for all these pieces of John right. Johns in order to uh, you know conduct their invasion. Yeah, so he's making the- it harder for them to protect the Earth. And all these pieces, I believe one's the little black girl. She hasn't shown any sign of powers yet, but I think a little black girl is actually... Really? It hasn't shown yet, but I think it would be. Like, unless she's I mean, like, just Mr. there for Mr. comic relief. Uh, Mr. Biscuits. Mr. Biscuits. Mr. Biscuits is the black FBI agent. He's one. And then yeah. the Arabic thief. 
She's one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and uh, and the 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 white invalid kid, the blonde kid, he's one. Right. Right. So there are all these different parts that like it's kind of multiplied himself so that way he can use more of himself in order to combat this invasion that uh, Mars is going to be coming and, 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 and defend Earth, which is his new adopted home. And then, and then he's got these other personalities to kind of help him combat, like, the shock of the fact that, like, oh, my God, I'm not the last Martian ever. I'm actually a weapon. Which is kind of quite a different change in approach to the character that has been than there has been for a very long time now. Because usually it was the last Martian standing and uh, invulnerable to fire. That's been that's been kind of his status quo for years and years and years. And now it's now it's right. different. But uh, that's been great. Art's been great. Right, been, your writing's been great. Um, moving right along, we got the, uh, the suicides. DC has a lot of fringe stuff here. They they certainly do. Uh, Want to talk a little Suicide Squad for a minute? Yes. Yeah, so Suicide Squad right now. Is by the, by the way, uh, uh, the movie just finished uh, filming. Uh, just just FYI. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they're I mean, in, they're in post production right now. See uh, it when it comes out. It looks intriguing enough. Um, love the idea. Let's just see if they execute. I'm still skeptical about DC films right now. Everyone is because they haven't really proved themselves yet. I mean, I loved Man of Steel. Uh, not everyone did. I I loved it. I thought it was awesome. But, oh no, uh, I th- I thought that was great. Um, too. Besides that, we, we don't have anything to really go on. So uh, yeah, it, it's all skepticism at, at this point. Um, but they have finished filming the thing. So uh, yeah, uh, one step closer to seeing that on the screen. But uh, in regards to the book. So right now we have a storyline where there's a, a fringe fraction of the uh, League of Assassins has split off and they're trying to do their own thing. Um, they've stolen a bunch of weaponry created by supervillains um, and the government's trying to stop them. So they bring these gang of So idiots. they send in Task Force S- X to go in, destroy the weapons that they have, and then kill all of them. Yeah, so they send in... Boomerang, Black Manta, and Deadshot in as spies. And they go in, and they're, they're trying to get acclimated. Captain Boomerang has nothing, wants nothing to do with it, because he's just, he's just terrible at fitting in with stuff. I mean, he's, he's a nonconformist. Nonconformist. And, through, through and, through. and yeah. he's just got that real thick Australian accent. <laughs> and he just does what he wants. I really, I guess they had to put to send Boomerang in because, all right, who's left? You can't send fucking Reverse Flash because it's like... He's too powerful. You can't send Harley Quinn because she's too nuts. Right. You can't send Parasite because he's just... What if they find a way to manipulate his genetic code and make everyone have Parasite powers? Well, there's that, but then there's the fact that, like, you know, you know, a big pink monster doesn't really make the the most inconspicuous spy either. Right. I think uh, they're kind of going for some sort of like uh, like genetic purity type thing with these extremists because they're trying to create this new world for these kids and they're very fundamental extremists. So one of the big things they run into is Black Manta is probably one of the more badass villains in the DCU. Uh, the fact that he's even on the Suicide Squad is kind of crazy. He's a great character, and I love reading about him. It's more, probably just a, to beef up the Suicide Squad. If really, what it is. But his main issue is that the reason he ended up on the squad in the beginning with, he ended up with a pardon to go do what he wanted. But 
he had his only purpose in life was to get revenge on Aquaman and kill him. Well, without him, he needed something to do. So he thought he'd get that purpose through working with Task Force as uh, Task Force X, which is which squad. is the Suicide Squad, by the way. So. Just so you know. He ends up, they infiltrate it, and like, all of a sudden, he's really drinking the Kool-Aid with these fundamental extremist <laughs> terrorists, and he's ready to go ahead and throw up the gang sign for life, and go ahead, and, <laughs> because they're giving him this purpose, that he just loves it, and he's the one who, end, he ends up narking on Boomerang, and then Boomerang ends up, like, getting beat up and locked up, and... The whole the whole situation is slowly just going. Actually, very quickly going to shit. Yeah, things always deteriorate really fast. Whenever in the Suicide Squad, um, I have a feeling they'll still end up getting the job done. But that's almost all it goes. They send him into a possible situation. Things end up crazier and crazier and crazier. And then somehow they find a way to not end up dead. And then, <laughs> and then uh, the next time, uh, Amanda Waller still seems to think it's a good idea to send these lunatics out to do the government's dirty work. Uh, yeah, well, it's a very low personal cost to her to use uh, criminals. Use criminals. Yeah. They're expendable to her. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so where we've left off now, uh, uh, Harley, Reverse Flash, and Parasite have had to sort of come to the rescue yeah, well, they they send them in to try to prevent the the capture of this chemical weapons factory in this Middle Eastern country that I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, so they go in there and to prevent them from stealing stuff, but they don't want to kill because they don't want Deadshot and Manta and Boomerang to kill the British soldiers who are running the factory. Because it's like one of those hush-hush things. And it's right, and thing. it's going to break rules of engagement. Right, right. So they they send in Task Force X to combat Task Force X, and it turns out this the, the League of uh, Assassin's Fringe group, actually, their weapons are so good that it pretty much neutralizes the people that they're fighting. Um, Reverse Flash ends up getting his ass handed to him. They, they completely capture Parasite. They capture Harley Quinn after, you know, a rough fight. She puts up the most fight out of all of them. You'd think Reverse Flash would, but they end up blasting him with some sort of sonic beam or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, so now things are kind of split to the four winds. The the comms are are all messed up with all these uh, different characters, so they don't know whether or not to activate the chips in everybody's necks and kill everybody yet. And then at the very end, Black Manta goes to the leader of this fringe group, tells him why he's actually there, spills the beans that why Task Force X is there, and he's just like, he's just, he's just ready to. Like, can you forgive me? Type of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> throw up the gang signs, you know. So, um, it's been good. I mean, Suicide's always fun. It's a fun book. Always a good time with this ragtag crew of miscreants. Um, Let's see here. Let's, uh, you, you know, since we're talking team books, uh, why don't we, uh, talk a little bit about Omega Men since there's been so much buzz over the past week about said book. Uh, Omega Men's being written almost as if to be specifically, uh, published as a, as a trade paperback. Um, uh, first book was kind of, they introduce you to an idea. The second book, they kind of introduce you to the characters a little bit. Then you find out that uh, Kyle Rayner isn't dead. Um, third book, you find out that who the leader of the Omega Men is, which is this princess who's really good with swords and stuff. 
Um, and then book four is even more character development. And what's going on is I believe the Omega Man are somehow getting ready to pull this giant con on Kyle Rayner. And when he gets his ring back, he's going to use it to just overthrow the Citadel, which he could. With the Green Lantern ring, it's the most powerful weapon in the galaxy. But who who are the actual Omega Men though, and why? How are they formed, and 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 why are they working together? Um, they're all individuals who just kind of hate the status quo that the government of the Citadel is forced on everybody. Um, and what and what Citadel, may I ask? Like, the Citadel is this uh, alien government in this space system. Oh, so this isn't a, a, a galaxy far, far away type of deal. Yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, so th- it's in their, all... in their own corner of the, uh, the universe here. Gotcha. In, in the DC universe. And you have each of these, uh, they, there's one character called Primus, and he's kind of like human looking, and he's kind of more the, the leader. And then you have the princess, who's really good at sword play, and she's kind of the actual leader. Well, that's like leader one and leader two. Um, then you got Tigor, he's this giant cat beast and just rips a lot of throats. Then you have this uh, golem type person. Then you have a girl who's uh, uses a lot of guns. And then you got this robot who's like kind of a medic. And uh, you don't really know a lot about each of the characters. They're building everything really slowly. Um, I, with the way things are going right now, though, it's uh, the later issues coming up are probably going to be every bit the most satisfact, like, satisfact, like, you're gonna get a lot of satisfaction from, from these upcoming books, cause they've spent a lot of time setting up the plate for kind of what the story is. You find out the Omega Man are there to go ahead and, and kind of overthrow this government. They're like, they're, they're bad guys, but like, are they doing it for the right reasons? And it, what they're just, they're providing you with a lot of questions and, and the reason you keep reading is because you want to know the answers. And it's also very interesting because you've got the Kyle Rayner aspect. And, uh, I mean, he's the only thing really connecting uh, Omega Man as a book to the rest of the DCU. So hmm. it's uh, really interesting to see where they're going. I mean, it started slow, but right now I can't wait for the next issue because it's just you, you want to get more answers. But at the same time, like, you know, you're just going to get even more questions after that. Awesome. Well, it's definitely, uh, you know, with, uh, all the buzz that it's brought, uh, around the internet and the local retailers, uh, it's certainly something I'm looking to check out. Uh, so, uh, you know, as we continue reading that one, uh, since it is, uh, been continued, uh, we'll, uh, provide you with more, uh, insight as to how that story unravels. So, uh, let's see, uh, we have a couple of badasses left on the, the fringe list in regards to Green Arrow and Midnighter. Uh, first, I'd like to actually disclose that um, the characters of Lobo, Deathstroke, Dr. Fate, and Constantine are all on our fringe list. Unfortunately, I have not been able to... Uh, Get caught up on those yet, but um, what I can say is uh, Lobo is currently... Uh, it's slated to be canceled soon. Slated, December, it's, right? it's slated to be canceled. Uh, it's got a couple issues left. Uh, he's uh, in uh, proverbial and physical fisticuffs with uh, Sinestro, 
I'm not quite sure why, but in the latest issue, we had Sinestro on the cover. I'll be excited to share with you all uh, what happens at the end of this Lobo run, uh, the, the next update. Uh, Deathstroke, uh, on the other hand, he's uh, coming uh, toe-to-toe uh, with Superman. And uh, I'm sure that has a- everything to do with his team-up with Wonder Woman uh, recently. Uh, I'm not sure if maybe something might have happened to Diana and Superman was angry about that. And, you know, I got to believe that's probably why they're duking it out. Um, once again, if it's, you know, something that's following the continuity of the DCU, you're going to have a, a nerfed Superman which will be a little bit more of an interesting fight, as normally Deathstroke would not pose a big threat. Uh, but in this case, we'll see. Uh, and then in regards to Dr. Fate and Constantine, uh, the two big uh, horror, dark arts type of books in the fringe, uh, I have not had a chance to, I just haven't had a chance to catch up on those books. I don't know what else to say. I have failed you. I have have not been as vigilant as the vigilant geek uh, has known to have been uh, in the past. So my apologies there. So I, I don't. I really can't say much. I knew. I know. Uh, Paul Levitz writes Doctor Fate, and he's a, a veteran of of the industry. Uh, you know, he's got a big role over at DC, and uh, I know issue one was was pretty was pretty uh, interesting and. And, you know, there's a new character taking up the, the Dr. Fate uh, mantle, which will be interesting to, to, to see. Uh, and Constantine, I mean, you know... Uh, he's, a, he's doing his thing. He's doing his thing. He's smoking yep. his cigarettes and things are he's spooky. He's getting drunk. He's finding out what's <laughs> been killing all the ghosts that follow him around. Um, yeah, that's right. He's got, he's got the, all those ghosts. A lot of character development. It's been... It's been it, Constantine's been good. Constantine's been a good bi- a book. And then... Uh, and then right now uh, you got uh, kind of Green Green Arrow's gotten kind of dark. Um, he's being hunted by these bone hunters, these cultists, or and he's got a, he's got a wolf. wolf. Yeah, he's trying to steal his wolf because his wolf's got demon blood in it. Yeah, Green Arrow has a new pet wolf, and that's pretty much what's going on with him right now. He saved the wolf from this dog fight a few issues back. And, uh, now, uh, focus has kind of been taken off of, uh, Oliver Queen, and it's pretty much a story about Oliver Queen's pet wolf. Right. Well, that, that's not entirely true. I, I'm exaggerating. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's been, it's been, you know, it's been decent. Um, Green Arrow's got more of a mood of more like Daredevil had in the Marvel Universe. It's yeah, kinda, very, he's very uh, much a uh, boots on the ground superhero. Yeah, oh, I was just gonna say that very street level type scenarios. There, uh, we just wrapped up an arc with uh, Green Arrow where he thwarted that whole. Uh, yeah, they're using drone scenario. They're using drones to to profile people, and so everyone in Seattle ends up walking around town wearing a hood because they don't want to get profiled and killed by one of these drones. Um, so it's been that was pretty decent arc, pretty decent. Um, and then Midnighter's been an amazing um, addition to the DCU. Um, he's a very unapologetic, very cocky, very confident uh, gay man who's also um, 
just fighting crime and righting wrongs in his own way. And right now, the main big storyline uh, header for that is that uh, there's this uh, satellite called the God Garden, and it has all this alien tech, and part of the alien tech was used in order to uh, create his computer brain that uh, thinks out all different possibilities at the same time, which makes him such a... Uh, a pain in the ass to fight because he he knows what you're going to do before you do it and uh and right now we're trying to find out who the main person who just stole a bunch of tech from there is and he's uh he's pretty hooked up himself and he's uh been hanging out with grayson in the last arc when they find out these man-made vampires and they're in the sauna together it's been a really fun book and um, you t- tell them a little bit more about how him and Grayson are in the sauna together, though. Yeah, they they uh, put the squeeze on these guys who think they're tough by killing fake vampires. They go to this <laughs> hotel and they pay a bunch of money to get a vampire chained to a wall, and they're like, "We're gonna be heroes!" And then they kill these vampires. Well, they find out who these guys are because they've been bragging about what they did, and they beat the crap out of them in the sauna. And then uh, they 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 give up the goods and tell them where to find this place where people are being uh, homeless people are being turned into fake vampires and then killed. And I just love when Midnighter busts busts through and he's like, you know, you're you're not even a real vampire. You're not nearly as cool as a real vampire. I've seen real <laughs> vampires. You're not even close to as cool as real vampires. I thought that was cool. Yeah, no, I don't he's, know. Uh, he's he's got this edginess about him, uh, which makes him a really fun character. He's got to his read. wise mouth about him. Yeah, but, uh, this concludes our DC update. I hope everyone feels incredibly updated. Yeah, lots of you know, as always, lots of uh, awesome, awesome titles uh, uh, that are offered by DC. You know, uh, I like I've said before, uh, if you're you know, someone looking to read a good superhero, just a solid superhero book. Right now, you're not going to get anything better than Superman or The Flash. Uh, you're looking for a good space opera. Obviously, you got Green Lantern and uh, appears that Omega Men is as well. Uh, uh, very uh, turning into a very prominent space opera. Um, you know, uh, and then your crime, you got Batman, Batman Detective... I mean, there's just so much to offer. So much to offer. Uh, so, we hope you've enjoyed this presentation of what we know about what's going on in the DCU right now. Uh, and stay tuned next week uh, for a very fun, very uh, special uh, showcase that we are going to do uh, in regards to uh, an episode uh, on cartoons. We're going to do a whole episode next week on cartoons, and and, uh, special guest Nathan Burke will be back on the show. Uh, uh, He's a New England stand-up comic, and he also uh, owns Hotcast Studios, where we record. So thank you all for listening, and as always, stay stay vigilant. vigilant.